So who do we trust, huh? Like always, me and Dick. guys know that the Hutchinson finger actually works? How so? Well, I was on a ghost boat a while back. Oh, by the way, this is me and the in three, a Starsky and Hutch fan podcast. I'm Monica. I'm Rachel. And I'm Jen. And uh, I'm sure most people listening know that the Hutchinson finger refers to a motion that Hutch makes several times in the show where he points his index finger, usually at Starsky, in a warning, don't even try me way. Starsk. Starsk. Don't even. Starsk. (laughs) I'm sure you can picture us all pointing menacingly as we say this. And on this ghost boat trip, the the boat went down the Wisconsin River at night, and uh, then it docked at a canyon, and we got off. And then there was a little like path through the canyon and there were actors dressed up that would jump out and scare you and or maybe not jump out maybe they were there and you had to walk past them and they'd you know menace you although they weren't allowed to touch and you weren't allowed to touch them either but there was a clown up ahead and I was like great a clown (laughs) so as I got closer I did the Hutchinson finger and he just kind of looked at me and then kept walking So proof that the Hutchison finger works. That's, that's, you can learn so much from Starsky and Hutch, and that's a good tip. <laughs> it's an excellent tip. And this is the spooky time of year, which means it's the time of year when we start seeing Halloween costumes popping up everywhere, including costumes for pets. And Monica and I recently adopted a new cat. Her name is Annabelle. And we decided Annabelle needed a Halloween costume, or I decided that. Monica was resisting until we stumbled across a zebra costume. I thought Zebra 3 Shere Khan was coming up and uh, lots of zebra print at Shere Khan. And, you know, Annabelle is so cute, I couldn't resist. So Annabelle made a very cute zebra. And if you are downloading this episode from your favorite uh, podcast service, you might want to go to our website, meandtheand3.com, to see an adorable picture of Annabelle in her zebra costume, doing her best to join us in our celebratory efforts uh, toward Starsky and Hutch. I mean, let's be fair, it wasn't really her doing her best, it was us doing our best to join her in our efforts. <laughs> right now Annabelle is doing her best impression of a parrot because she is sitting on my shoulder as we attempt to record this. <laughs> she is a lot cuddlier than our last cat was. Aww. A-, a moment of silence for Callie, our previous cat. We're really happy that we have recordings of all the strange noises she made as they were overheard on episodes of this podcast uh, earlier on. We do miss her. All right, let's try to raise the mood a little bit. Sorry about that. 
Well, Halloween is the big thing coming up. Something just as big just passed us. Shere Khan! Shere Khan! Uh, I had a wonderful time. Me too. I loved it. It was so fun. I want to say thank you for everyone who was there. It was just... It's such a warm and welcoming community, and it was so great to talk with you and, you know, see many faces for the second time, see some new faces. It was just an absolute delight. I agree. Um, And we did a podcast episode after last year's ShareCon, and ShareCon is usually every other year, but as you may know... There were two in a row because they decided to switch from even years to odd years to avoid conflicting with a professional's convention. Um, So, you know, there are many things from last year's podcast that uh, we could talk about. So I thought it might be interesting to start with some of the differences, some of the things that were new to us this year. And one thing that stands out is we were... Uh, honored and delighted to be asked to be part of the Shere Khan Bad Theater. You mean Bad Theater? <laughs> I, I do, in fact, mean Bad Theater. Uh, every year, Shere Khan puts on a silly, goofy, bad play, uh, intentionally bad, um, just to poke gentle fun at some of the tropes of Starsky and Hutch. Uh, And this year's one was sort of a post-apocalyptic take that took some elements of Avengers Endgame, some elements of a famous Starsky and Hutch fic called Decorated for Death, and sheep puns. I don't think sheep are part of Decorated for Death. I think that was (laughs) its own element, um, unique to bad theater. And we were asked to be the narrators, which I was very happy to do. And I just wanted to share the line that I'm almost certain was put in the script just to trip me up. (laughs) And I did, in fact, stumble on it slightly in the play. Whereas I think in the first read-through I said it perfectly. But, you know, that's how it always goes. Lanolin milking has become a big illegal business to feed the illegal lanolin-addicted post-apocalyptic lanolin addicts. Say that three times fast now. <laughs> <laughs> lanolin milking has become a big illegal business to feed the lanolin... Nope. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> lanolin addicted post-apocalyptic lanolin addicts? Yes. <laughs> a little bit redundant. <laughs> I think the redundancy had to have been in on purpose oh, it, to like, mess with you. It was, and, and there was a laugh after I said that line. So uh, thank you to the writers of this year's play. It was a delightful play. I had a lot of fun participating. Me too. Yeah. It's, I haven't acted since, since college, so it was great to have a chance to go and just, you know, have fun, you know? Yeah, acting with low pressure is the best kind of acting. <laughs> and your script right in front of you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But yeah, no, and the costumes were great and fun. There was a pair of uh, of uh, gold hot pants. <laughs> there were gold hot pants. Can I ask about the context of the gold hot pants? Uh, Starsky was wearing them. That seems legit. <laughs> he was kind of a uh, sex object. Was he Rocky? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes, that was He was Rocky, sweet. but also a sheep. <laughs> I've created a sheep with curly fur and no bow peep. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> Ruby Hutch is Bo Peep? Look, I didn't see this play, so I'm extrapolating. Hutch actually had a very complicated backstory and motivations, because when he's reunited with Starsky, he loves Starsky, but he also has a childhood memory of loving a pet sheep he had, and he's addicted to lanolin, which Starsky now produces. So, like, I felt like there was a very complex relationship in this story that perhaps wasn't explored to its fullest, because this was a pretty short play. Um, But I was impressed with the depth of Hutch's character. Yeah! (laughs) That's amazing. So tell me more, you guys. Once again, I was unable to attend ShareCon, and Monica and Rachel have been hiding the details of it so that they would reveal them to me first on this podcast. So I do look forward to hearing more. Well, another new experience that we had was that we modded one of the panels. That was our very first modding experience, I think, for both of us? Yes. Yes. All right. Yeah, we've never modded anything before, so um, we modded the panel. If you controlled canon... Uh, And we asked, you know, what people would do. Um, And there was a lot of talk with exploring more their relationship. Um, I'm not quite sure what else was discussed because, honestly, I spent a lot of time just, like, scanning the crowd, just trying to, like, keep track of who was speaking next. You did a great job of making sure everyone got to talk who had their hand raised. Thank you. I have a hard time remembering, like, my short-term memory isn't great. Rachel's got great short-term memory We've used this in escape rooms to our advantage. (laughs) So she did a great job of saying, okay, you'll speak next, then you'll speak, then you'll speak, because she knew they'd had their hands up in that order. And that freed you up to sort of keep more track of what was actually going on in the conversation and to help prompt a few times. And you're correct that I'd say the bulk of the panel was about would we make Starsky and Hutch a canon romance if we had control of the canon and could go back and, and... be there as it was produced and it was kind of split like some people thought yes it would be fun to make it a canonical romance and other people thought that there's a lot of fun in the subtext and leaving a lot of those open areas actually gives fandom so much more room to thrive and we're against the idea of it being a canonical romance But we also talked a bit about, like, level of violence, uh, social issues. Yes, people wanted more social issues, more more of the meaty sort of. And I think people, although we agreed that the show could be quite violent, especially for its time, that gratuitous violence we would maybe want to dial back on, but showing the effects of violence we might have actually wanted to amp up a little because Starsky and Hutch actually almost rarely showed blood, um, and they often didn't show much um, effects of violence. Like, well, it was a very episodic show. You know, if you were injured in one episode, you didn't see if you know that in the next episode, and and people would have wanted a little more follow through. Mm-hmm. There was also some. Um, if my voice gets a little muffled, it's because a cat just walked in front of me. Um, There was also some discussion on um, firming up their backstories more, you know, not having it be so open-ended. And again, much like with the relationship, some people liked that it was more open-ended and some people did want a little more concrete. They wanted more of a solid um, Bible for the show rather than just whatever the writers felt like doing that week. (laughs) 
Were there any other panels that were favorites of yours, Rachel? Oh, gosh. I can't even remember the panels right now. There was one or two that I didn't manage to get to um, because we were doing some podcast things. Let's see. I was slightly late to one, but I really enjoyed what I was there for. It was the panel, A Virgin in These Woods, and it was about whether we thought Starsky and Utch... Wow. Whether we... (laughs) Utch. Utch. <laughs> I lost my H there. I need to do stuff like in uh, My Fair Lady to. <sighs> that, scene... <laughs> that scene with a candle. That's that... my attempt at copy. That was real bad. <laughs> I think we're cutting this whole part. <laughs> the panel was called A Virgin in These Woods, and it was about whether we believe that Starsky or Hutch had prior romances with other men before they had romances with each other. Um, and I like that kind of talk. I don't think it matters. Like, a fit can sell me on anything between, yes, they've had lots of male lovers, to, no, this is their first romance with someone of the same gender. Um, so, like, you know, but it's fun to talk about, especially since I find that people have a lot of different headcanons. I'm sad I missed that now, because I definitely... Like, for me, personally, like, yeah, that's a thing I'm, in, like, I'm really, really interested in hearing about. Um, for me, my stance is that, like, I mean, Hutch banged a bunch of dudes. I wrote that pick. <laughs> and, like, Starsky totes banged Huggy. Like, that's that's my, that's my take on it. <laughs> Was there any kind of consensus at the panel, or were there really, like, wildly different views? I don't think there was a particular consensus. I think some fans like to imagine... Either Starsky or Hutch having some male lovers prior to them falling in love with each other, and some like them to come to each other not having had that experience. But I think it's just those, like, two general camps. There isn't one strong, overwhelming fanon, mm-hmm. uh, I think. There's a lot of variety. I, I doubt anyone probably had the view that they were total virgins and had never slept with women either. <laughs> <laughs> no, although that reminds me of another panel that we had that was, like, what is canon? Or or that, uh, what was that one? Oh, uh, yes, um, I have it just here. Who you know, what you know, and how that's wrong. And it was basically, what is canon? And what is fanon that is based partly on canon, but has, like, wormed its way into being predominant fanon? And so she, uh... Carrie T. Carrie T ran the panel and she would show us a clip and say, okay, now, fanon is that, um, Starsky was shot in the chest, or possibly in the back, but that the bullets exited through his chest. Whether you believe he was shot in the front or the back, I feel like... To that panel wasn't too relevant, but whether it was in the chest and you do see when he's when Starsky's lying on the ground after being shot, bullet holes on his upper back in his coat. But the point is, well, the coat must have rode up because when we see him in the hospital later, there are bandages around his abdomen and his chest is not scarred. There are no wounds on his chest. And she's like, all these fic writers write about scars on his chest look, here's evidence that there are no scars on his chest. And it wasn't to, like, rag on fanfic writers. Not at all. The point was, 
you can take some clues and really run with them, and sometimes all of fandom seems to run in one direction, and that becomes the predominant narrative. And especially since Starsky and Hutch first came out, people weren't able to rewatch scenes, um, and also the the picture quality wouldn't be very good. So you might not even necessarily be able to tell um, that his chest was unwounded in those scenes, although they did linger on his chest a little, so I don't know that, but you wouldn't necessarily remember. So yeah, people write over and over and over about the scars on his chest, but no, they should be scars on his abdomen. Or was canon wrong? (laughs) I mean, I like to imagine that the show just realized, oh no, we can't have scars in his chest, then we can't show his man cleavage all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was the last episode of the show, so... Okay, it was the last of the sh- of the show with Paul directing, so Paul wanted to show off his man cleavage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, didn't want to shave his chest. Seventies priorities. <laughs> yeah. Not only were there panels, there were also plenty of games. Uh, there were a couple rounds of Fandom Feud, which was very fun. There had been a survey that had gone out before, and um, members of the Shere Khan Google group had answered possibly there was, I don't know, was it on the bromance list as well? Do you remember? There was a link. Okay, and, and on the bromance list um, and people, you know, responded to questions like what do Starsky and Hutch share? And the top answer for that was spit. <laughs> and no one got that so there were no points that round. <laughs> I mean, one of, one of the teams, one of the members did, did say um, but I don't believe we opted for that uh, answer because we were too timid. But that was like the first round, and after that, we was like, okay, remember, this is a dirty group. <laughs> so I let's was, go with that. Monica told me about the Mrs. Dobie question, which I think might be the the dirtiest. Oh yes. Uh, what? <laughs> I'm not exactly sure how it was phrased, but it was, um, what would they be most surprised to see Mrs. Dobie in, uh, other than Granny Panties? So, <laughs> which I I uh kind of resent the implication that Mrs. Toby would be wearing granny panties, although she very well might. But yes, some of the answers to that, uh, well, the answer Jen suggested I put for the survey was <laughs> strap on, and I did answer that because it made me laugh in kind of a shocked way. And sure enough, the other people said that too. <laughs> <laughs> There were other games, such as Starsky and Hutch Bingo, where we all got a bingo card, and I grabbed the Starsk and Huggy cards, and, you know, a description of an episode would be read aloud, and then we would have to shout out what the episode was. Um, so that was fun, because you also had to identify the episode and not just, you know, place your token on the card. Um, and we played a few rounds of that, and there was also a When Did I Say That? And oh my god, are there like two or three people who really know their quotes? Because these were not easy, guys. They were they were hard quotations. But there were a few people that just, they just managed to get them. <laughs> they were just on the ball with that. Nice. It's nice to see that kind of niche knowledge rewarded. Mm-hmm. Then, of course, there was uh, the main events. Other than the plays, there was the dance party. With the with all sorts of vids, and we had a couple premieres during there, there too. Um, yes, I believe two of the premieres were put in the dance show instead of the premiere show because they were to upbeat 
songs that you would want to dance along to. And then there was also a premiere show. There were so many premieres this year. It was amazing. Uh, I did not make a premiere this year and I felt kind of bad about it. But then when I saw there were so many premieres, I, I didn't feel bad about it anymore. It's like, oh, all these new vids. This is amazing. This is great. As well as a few first time vidders. So that's really exciting. It's like, it's great to see Starsky and Hutch have such an active vid community right now. Yes. There was also an antique vid show, uh, tape vids, vids from the 80s and 90s and early 2000s. Uh, I always have fun watching that because a lot of these vids aren't available online. And even though the style can be pretty different from what a modern vidder might be used to, modern vidder, you know what I mean, uh, the style has changed a bit um, over the decades, but even with that, a lot of these are really fun, really funny, um, a lot of humor vids, a lot of unusual song choices, and in uh, some very sentimental vids, some very sweet and uh, angsty vids. So I really have fun seeing the antique vid show. And especially for this vid show, what was really neat was... Flamingo and TM, I believe, remastered in a way. I mean, they didn't take new footage and just redo the song. What they did was they took two of the best versions of this one um, really famous vid, Starsky and Hutch vid, um, that no one had ever really seen a, a proper version of because it had been copied so many times and each copy had, a, had you know, everyone's copy had different parts of it that um, had malfunctioned, you know, had deteriorated. So Flamingo had two different copies that were damaged in different parts, and with the help of TM had managed to put it together and take those two parts and make um, one vid. Uh, Make the vid, like, complete. Oh, that's great. Which vid was that? It was the last one, I think. Of? Of the vid show. Of the anti-vid show. It was, like, the last one we saw. I don't remember the song. Okay. Um, And I'm really sad that I don't. I don't remember what it was. So definitely, like, ask Flamingo about that. (laughs) Or TM. uh, Who did did put it together because Flamingo couldn't do it herself. So TM worked her magic and was able to uh, fix that. Because, and the problem was, was that because tape stretches. So one of the copies, the the song was, was... stretched a little like it had the tape had stretched a little so it didn't fit exactly with the other one so she had to retime it the other one that like she had to retime them so that they were at the same rate that makes sense for the stretching and yeah i feel like vid remastering could be a side gig i could get into not that i expect people to pay me for it so gig is the wrong word but uh I feel like I could do that, but I have other projects I need to work on, (laughs) but I could do that. Um, There were other main events that we should get to, but I actually first wanted to just show some of the goodies we got at ShareCon. As a gift bag comes, um, the most important item, of course, being the year's zine, which looks amazing. I have not really gotten a chance to read anything in depth, but I've flipped through it. And there is some amazing art. Uh, The stories look great, but I can't really react more than that because I haven't gotten a chance to really dive into it. I read one... Well, I didn't read one story. I came across um, an impromptu live performance by Hard Boiled Baby of Carrie T's story in there, which was very fun. Yes, uh, a story that... It was just really well crafted. I I listened to... I actually... 
kind of came in partway through, but I don't think I missed too much. Very well crafted story that has layers that slowly get revealed uh, what's going on. And I like that kind of story where, you know, at first it seems to just be fun banter and then you realize, oh, there's something deeper going on underneath this banter. And then you also get the experience of of Hardboiled Baby reading that, you know, aloud, which was pretty fun. Like, I'm, I mean, I, clearly I'm a big Podfic fan, so. <laughs> I've enjoyed Hardboiled Baby's Podfic before, too. So Indeed. it was nice to hear her read out loud. It's like getting your very own Podfic. <laughs> I flipped through Monica's copy of the zine and I saw the uh, fan art that was a crossover joke with Good Omens, and I very much appreciated it. I did not catch who the artist was, but I am happy that that existed. (laughs) It was Suzanne. Okay, excellent. Great work. (laughs) And uh, the other items in the gift bag. A Starsky and Hutch ruler. Nice. No other partners measure up. That's adorable. (laughs) Some Starsky and Hutch M&M's. And look closely at the backs of them. Wow. Those are pictures of them. (laughs) Very detailed pictures. Wild. Wow. That is impressive. (laughs) So yeah, just to be clear, the M&M's on the back, they all have um, a picture of Starsky and Hutch rendered in great detail. Uh, Very clear. Very nice. And I was able to bring my small bag home because there was also large bowls of them at the con. So I had plenty of M&Ms at the con. And I was like, I'm bringing this little baggie home to show Jen. And it's tied with zebra ribbon. Yes. Oh, these are adorable. And a nice little black and white image so it works on all three colors. This is great. Uh, And then a little first aid kit. I mean, that's important. (laughs) Especially at a con. You never know when you might need first aid. And then some bookmarks, uh, pins, a keychain. I liked this pin that just was Flamingo made me do it. (laughs) Nice. That is is very much a uh, Shere Khan uh, experience. (laughs) And of course they made good use of one of the most famous promotional images of Starsky and Hutch, which is them running on a beach together laughing in white pants and a white shirt that says Starsky and Hutch on it. And on the back, the shirt says Husky and Starch. <laughs> Venice Beach, Los Angeles. I like how they covered both yeah, this options. Is the front and the back. So <laughs> With hands on butts. Yes. They have a giant version of the hands on butts. Like, full, like, person-sized wall poster version of that. And I don't know how they got such a high resolution version <laughs> yeah. of the image that they were able to make a poster that's, that's impressive, like, like life size. Life size, yeah. And I, I've always meant to ask, how, where, what, <laughs> but I've never gotten around to it. Fandom is mysteriously capable of, of magic. <laughs> yes. And then, of course, um, going back to the main events, I think the last big one that we need to mention is are the awards. Which went out the the Paul Wilshie and the Marion Kelly awards. Uh, there were quite a few this year as they had broken down the fic into a word count. So and there were quite a few ties. So congratulations to all the winners. I know Flamingo sent out an email, and I assume that went up on the bromance group as well. Yes. So you know, be sure to check those out if you haven't read or watched or seen the art. Definitely something you could do now. The nominations list worked so well as a rec list for fic and vids and art. 
And this is actually the first year I voted in the awards. Last year, I saw the announcements, you know, to nominate and then to vote go up. And I'll admit, I thought, hmm, fandom awards aren't really my thing. And I didn't vote in them or participate. But this year, I decided I wanted to. And I think it was mostly hearing Flamingo talk about how she was planning on breaking down the FIC awards because she felt it was unfair to shorter FIC to lump it in with larger FIC that would almost always win awards because the larger FIC, I think people put more importance on it or more weight on it, even though that isn't really fair, that short FIC is its own art, its own craft, uh, and can tell just as impactful stories. And hearing Flamingo talk about how much thought she was putting into these awards and how she doesn't want it to be a popularity contest that the thought of this is here's a way to give back to the artists in this fandom the writers in this fandom the vitters uh to acknowledge because we don't always leave comments we don't comment as often as we should we don't you know always give them their due so it's one way to give due and knowing that that much thought had been put into it made me think, okay, I should participate. And I read all of the shorter fic that was nominated. I didn't actually get around to reading all of the longer fic, but I read the shorter fic and a lot of it I had not read before. And I don't know why. There was It was all great, fantastic stories. So that worked so well as a rec list. And I watched all the vids. I think I had seen most of those vids before, but there might have been a few that I hadn't seen. And we made a vid party out of it. Um, I sat Rachel and Jen down and we, we went through and watched all the vids that had been nominated. And uh, it was a lot of fun. It was. And we looked at the art together and um, I actually had a lot of fun voting for it. And then that meant that I was a lot more emotionally invested when the time came to announce the winners. And I'm not going to say who I voted for, but I will say that a lot of the people I voted and a lot of the works I voted for did win, and I was very happy about that. Although, everyone who's nominated was worthy of winning. Like, it was such a strong group of works and vids and art. Um, But I'm very happy for the winners, and uh, I actually am quite looking forward to the next set of awards now. So this has maybe changed my opinion on fandom awards. (laughs) Nice. That's really nice. That's well articulated, too. Thank you. And so I understand that you guys also did some more interviews that we can use for future awesome episodes of this podcast. Yes, we did. Um, Last year, we had done uh, individual interviews. Uh, This year, we actually approached it a little differently. We wanted to sort of be able to bring the experience of ShareCon to a wider audience because... It is it is hard for many people to get to Baltimore, and there there this year there was a cap on attendance, um, you know, due to space and everything, and not not everyone can attend every year um, that it's held. So we wanted to, and some people just can't, you know, for whatever reason. So we wanted to be able to extend that experience. Um, so what we did was we invited a small group of people at a time. And we sort of helped prompt conversation. And then, uh, so the conversations that you heard in in panels or just hanging out in the main con spaces, that sort of all got brought up uh, in like a natural way. Like this this is what it's like to be at ShareCon is to hear these kinds of 
um, discussions going on. So we really hope that you look forward to hearing that. I think they were um, very interesting and a big thank you to everyone who participated. I hope that it does indeed feel like um, bringing home a little bit of Shere Khan with you. The last thing about Shere Khan that I wanted to bring up was that uh, on, I think, Saturday night, we walked into the main Shere Khan room and there were like maybe eight banker's boxes spread out among the tables. And I heard someone say, oh, it's the Starsky and Hutch Zine Lending Library. And I thought, oh, that's really cool. And then someone was saying, oh, Flamingo is giving it away (laughs) and you can take whatever you want. And at first I found that hard to believe. I was like, surely you can't just take whatever you want. But then I heard it repeated enough and I was like, oh, okay. And then Flamingo herself at some point came over and said, please take them. (laughs) Yes. So I didn't take as much as I might have wanted because I have limited space. I live in a very small house. Um, And a lot of them have stories that are available online, which is fantastic. I'm really happy about the amount of works that um, made it from print zine to online so that more people can read them. But there are a lot of zines that still have a lot of stuff that's not available online. And so I did take a few. Uh, By a few, she means about uh, almost a dozen. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And some of these are in bags, so sorry about the noise of me rifling through them. You just get that tactile experience then, you know, that audible tactile experience. It's the best kind of noise. Uh, I got a few old Shere Khan zines, one from 2004, and one that was like a parody Shere Khan zine called Hutch and Me Get It On A Whole Lot. And it's all just humor <laughs> stories and sort of parody stories, I think. The cover is kind of amazing. I'll pass this over to Jen to flip through. I don't know what year that came out, although it probably says on there somewhere. <laughs> this is an amazing cover. It's a lot of different pictures. Well, at least 2002, because there's something dated as 2002. That's a photocopied butt. Oh my gosh, it is a photocopied butt. <laughs> a salvaged copy of the original cover for Hutch should be getting on a whole lot. <laughs> I, if that wasn't original, I salute that person. <laughs> I got a copy of 1013 number two. That's what friends are for. Zebra 3 Volume 5, which I admit Rachel does have a copy of. But that's a photocopy. This one, Monica's got an original. Oh, I do? Yeah, that's an original. It looks like it might be. Um, Yeah, this is one from 1980, pretty early. And I especially wanted it because I know there's a Hurt Hutch story in here. And Hurt Hutch stories are my favorites. Celebration. You remember a bit about Celebration, don't you? Yes, it was, um, I first saw a copy at the Iowa Archive. I remember that cover from Iowa. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was a celebration of, of the fandom. I remember there being a lot of people's personal recollections of being in the fandom. I'm not entirely sure what's, enti- what's all in it, but, uh, I do remember that. So those would especially be interesting to read. Yeah, and this one is a copy. Because it's the lending library, a lot of these were authorized copies. The producers of the zines would give their permission 
for a copy to be made for this library. So if the original zine had color, these generally don't. Um, the quality isn't as up to par, but they're still legible. And it's so great to see what people wrote in these. And I know Celebration is a big one. It's talked about. Um, some of the Code 7s. I'm pretty sure Rachel has Code 7 number 1 somewhere. But I picked up a copy of Code 7 Volume 3 and Volume 4. Dangerous Lives, Dangerous Visions. Which um, people were encouraged to submit stories that, they, that might be controversial. Uh, stories that pushed boundaries. Um, atypical Starsky and Hutch stories. Uh, a lot of early BDSM stories were published in this anthology. This isn't the first volume. This is volume five of Dangerous Lies, Dangerous Visions. And although some of these are available online, some of them aren't. So I'm actually really curious to read some of these. That is a heck of a cover. <laughs> yes, the cover has Starsky and Hutch in like a post-apocalyptic milieu. Milieu. I don't know. They have tattoos and mullets and guns. There's a lot going on. Um, what what's that movie? It's a little like Snake Plissken, like Escape yes, from New York. Yes, he looks. He looks like. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah. I I just saw the the eye patch oh, that yeah. Starsky has in that picture. Oh, you have two copies. <laughs> two copies of Zebra Three Volume Five. Oh shoot! <laughs> well, I can give one away to someone. Yeah, pick the nicer one. There were a lot of them, so I don't feel bad. Yeah. And Timeless 3, a zine that's all alternate universe stories. And Starsky and Hutch fandom, I think, notably has relatively few alternate universe stories. They actually have quite a few. I know a while back we talked about alternate universe stories and I maybe acted like Starsky and Hutch fandom has almost none. They actually have a fair number, um, if you look around enough, but... Some fandoms are like 90% alternate universe stories, <laughs> and Starsky and Hutch fandom is more like 10% or less. So uh, a zine that is dedicated just to alternate universe stories uh, is pretty fun. Yes, that is the third volume issue. Okay. It was the third and last issue. I also picked up some zines, not quite as many, um, and I don't exactly remember what I picked up. I picked up a volume of The Pits. I'm not quite sure which issue. Um, I picked up Rever Autumn, uh, which I believe is like one of the first like novel-length slash scenes. Um, like 1980-81, I believe is, is the year. Plus also a copy of the script Bloodbath uh, with Simone. Uh, so you, Simone, I think Simone. we should do... Semen. Semen. <laughs> I think we should do an episode uh, looking at the script and watching that episode. Nice. Yes. I think we needed to do a script episode of Hutchinson for Murder One first because we've talked about that. But then after that, we should do Bloodbath. I agree. Of course, there was other things, you know, when you're just hanging out and chatting with people that you could look at uh, at ShareCon. One of the things was the art show. And I actually didn't get much of a chance to look at it this year as I did last year, I feel, which I definitely regret. There were very many beautiful pieces. And, you know, just want to recognize the hard work of all the artists in the fandom. Um, it was it was really great to see to see those. Um, and then also there was um, a raffle that uh, you could buy tickets for to help support the con. And through that, uh, Monica and I both won, actually. <laughs> yes. Nice. 
I won some lovely Starsky and Hutch art. I won not this, not this, this. Uh, there was two pieces in the second piece as well. Yes, it was these two. These are the two I won. Let me see. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I just I just handed Jen an explicit picture that has Starsky's penis in it. Well, the funny thing is that like the the picture is actually really good at controlling the eye movement. So like I saw Hutch's face, then I saw Starsky's face, and then I ran down his body, and then like right above where it, this like cover is labeled, it's just like the head of his dick popping up. So I'm just like, oh. <laughs> The art is the artist is Ina Noviel and her art is lovely. So I was very happy to win those pieces. Um also not to cut Rachel off from talking about what she won, but there was also some art um that Suzanne Lovett had there for free to take, and so I got a very nice portrait of Starsky and Hutch. Oh. Um those are great. Yeah. Yeah, beautiful. And then what I won was a lovely zebra print uh, afghan um, by Anselm, who has a story in the zine, I believe. And we interviewed her last year. Um, And she is, like us, one of the younger attendees. And very she was very proactive in helping out with the con, um, which is great to see, you know, that people are helping to continue their tradition. Yeah, there, there are some fans that bring a lot of energy and Ansem uh, volunteering constantly. And then uh, the two cosplayers, George and Fresh Candy, they brought so much energy with multiple costume changes. Uh, they did Starsky and Hutch from various episodes with matching costumes. For me, most notably, uh, the costumes from Murder Ward. They had Starsky's costume with sort of the, like, uh, blue top unbuttoned to the navel in a red kerchief. And then Hutch in his undercover uniform, which was undercover as an orderly at uh, the institution they uh, infiltrate. And they acted out scenes uh, in those costumes. And that was a lot of fun. Nice. Is that the leg scratching? Yes. Although he is in a straight jacket and the leg scratching, and they did not bring a straight jacket. <laughs> Darn. Probably for the best. <laughs> yeah, I don't think TSA wants to find that in your luggage. I'm sure TSA has seen worse. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, the thing is, you know, you just say, eh, I'm going away for a fun weekend. <laughs> you know, like, they're not going to, they don't want to hear about your sex life. You know, because people come through with many sex toys. But yeah, there was definitely, I think, a podcast where someone was like, and that's how I learned to take the batteries out of my vibrator before I took it through TSA. I mean, good idea. <laughs> oh, after last year, when I was coming home, I brought some zines home that Shere Khan also, and apparently a lot, a big stack of zines in your suitcase, the x-ray machine can't read it, so they have to open up your suitcase and look. And I was a little embarrassed because one of them was Crystal Blue Persuasion, which has a cover with uh, Starsky and Hutch in a state of undress in, a, in an embrace. <laughs> and, um, the, the TSA agent definitely saw it. <laughs> Did they say anything? No. <laughs> They're professionals. 
professional. <laughs> they are professional indeed. Wow. It sounds like you guys had an amazing time. It I'm was so glad. very fun. Sharecon is just very much a wonderful experience. Next one will be in 2021. Yep. Maybe you can come to that one, Jen. <laughs> maybe, maybe I will have money and time by 2021. <laughs> Anything could happen in two years. Anything could happen. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, I was not at ShareCon. Uh, Monica's birthday was right before ShareCon, and I did buy her another Squishimal. You may remember us talking about our Starsky and Hutch Squishimals and our Froggy Bear and Dobie Bunny. And they now have a zebra one. His name is Tony, and apparently he aspires to drive really fast, which seems very appropriate. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so he's he's sitting in our living room on top of Starsky at the moment, actually. Um, <laughs> and Starsky's on top of Hutch. As it all should be. <laughs> yeah, Tony's great, because he's a zebra for Zebra 3. He loves to drive fast, just like Starsky. But he's named Tony, which always reminds me of the Tony from Unsub, who had weird slashy vibes with David Soul's character. <laughs> it works in multiple ways. Yes. <laughs> well, I think that's about it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed listening. As always, you can find us online at our Twitter at MeV3. As I said earlier, you can always visit our website, meandtheand3.com. And you can email us at meandtheand3 at gmail.com. And remember, the ands are always spelled out where there are ands, and the three is always spelled out as a word, not as a numeral. So come talk to us there. Uh, I hope all of you who were able to attend ShareCon had as great a time as Monica and Rachel did. Yes, I hope everyone made it back home and has had time to recover. Bye! Bye! So I really like didn't expect anything to be down there, and then it's like, hello. Yep, yep. That's kind of how it is. <laughs> See, this one I kind of like a little better because it's a little more coy. It's like, right. that's most of a full dick, but not the head. I don't know if that's modest. Like. <laughs>